Hey everyone, Jim Phoenix here, and man, I have to tell you, it was really hard to sit on this interview. We had this secret interview done weeks ago, weeks ago, and put it this way, when T&E were doing publicity, I saw the interview sheet for Bathsheba Search for Evil, which by the way, you can watch on T&E on Saturday, October 30th at 3 p.m. Eastern. And also, of course, on the next day, the 31st, which at 8 p.m. Eastern Pacific, again, only on TNE. And I saw the sheet for Bathsheba Search for Evil, and I saw Andrea Perrin's name on it. And I got, oh my God. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I got so excited. I went out and I did all my research like I usually did. I bought the books House of Darkness, House of Light. You know, it's true story, volume one, two, and three. And I, I believe in the book so much, and I sincerely believe in the book so much that I will give for listeners of the show, any fans, just get in on us for our socials at Haunted MTL's Twitter underscore Haunted, Haunted MTL underscore again for Instagram. It, mail, mail us. I don't know. Just skywrite it and we are giving away not one copy not two copies not even three copies because i'm saying four copies to whatever listeners the first four listeners that come in for andrea parents house of darkness house of light the kindle editions all three books for free boom to you that's how much i believe in this and without any further ado my gosh, I think it's adult time. Yeah, let's get cracking. Hey everyone, Jim Phoenix here, and I'll be your tour guide for today. Boy, what a great episode of What's Cracking do we have for you? I say this every time we top it and we top it. I don't think we can top this one. We have none other than the best selling author of House of Darkness, House of Light, and that's not, if that one media is not enough, guess what? Brand new two-part episode of Bathsheba dropping on TNE channel Monday, October 11th at 9 p.m. Eastern Pacific. Plus, plus, if that's not even enough, we have the Conjuring movies. We have everything, anything in paranormal period so none other than Andrea Parent, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for being a guest. How are you? Let's just start off that way. How are you? Um, I'm supernatural. Oh, see? I am. That's, I am. That's, I've lived that's, my whole life that way now, or most of it. And, uh, you know, I see interdimensionally. I, you know, I have a, I have a magical life. And... Uh, after having found the courage to take the risk to tell our family's story, right. it changed everything. It was, you know, I, I was more normal then. I had normal jobs and a normal career and a normal, uh, you know, I was a theater person. I, I was in the theater company of Rhode Island for 20 plus years. So I got to play a lot of other characters uh, but now I just, um, I'm just me. And I perceive myself to be the messenger 
uh, and the message is a profound one. And that is that we are not alone, that we are surrounded by spirit and that there is something beyond our mortal existence. Uh, and this, for me, it's not a matter of faith or belief. This is what I know. I do not foist it on anyone. I do not attempt to coerce or convince anyone of anything. It's up to everyone to believe what they believe, to feel, sense um, what they do. Um, all I know is that I had these experiences for 10 years at that farmhouse and they have persisted in my life ever since. Uh, and that is true of every member of my family. Um, and it was a remarkable way to grow up. It was an enlightening way to grow up. It was frightening at times, but it was also spiritual and it was full of love and light. And I think that too much fear mongering goes on in the paranormal field, yeah. um, probably because human beings are predominantly fear-based carbon units. And so that appeals to us, but um, it's the stock and trade of so many in the field, filmmakers and writers and everything. And uh, I didn't write my books to terrify anyone. I wrote them to inform everyone who dared to delve in and comes out on the other side of volume three profoundly and permanently changed and will never think about anything the same way again. And that's why I wrote them to liberate others who have had like experiences, my kindred spirits around the world who have been touched by spirit and were terrified to divulge that information to anyone, whether it be their siblings as children or their parents or their spouses, but they'll walk up to me out of the blue at a paranormal conference and I'll wrap them in my arms and they will weep and they will tell me their story and I will tell them I believe them. And those are powerful words. No, absolutely. And that's, and you hit the, the nail on the head right there. I, I've read the first one, first volume. I have the other two, I have long train rides. So it's, mm -hmm. it's brilliant. But when I was reading, I was like, okay. So as a kid, you're kind of voiceless because people are like at school, you can't really tell anyone, you know, they don't believe and stuff like that. But later on, you make the great statement of, I'm not trying to sell my belief. I know it's my belief. And if you want to come along with the ride, or if you were also in this area, which by the way, I read it as someone who's had paranormal experiences. And it was just the giving a voice to the voiceless. Yes. Right? And it's taking your voice as an amplitude, excuse me, amplifier, and allowing others to go, yeah, absolutely. It's somewhat, and I agree, some of the other shows or other areas where they try to demonize, no pun, like the supernatural or even demonize the people who have the experiences. Yes. Which I love T&E because they never do that. T&E is the absolute give people a chance and a platform. I, I'm brilliant for it. I always love them for it. But with your the sheep of part one and two, it, it opens up. And with your novels, they open up a whole new realm. And from that child to you as an adult now, what really changes? Is it the voice that changes? Is it you, you gain power from what you learned in those 10 years and that kind of builds everything up higher for you? What changed? 
I think it changed my entire trajectory in life. Okay. Um, I ended up going to college and getting a degree in philosophy because I was searching for answers. And that seemed like maybe the place that I would find them. I was drawn to the transcendentalists, to the metaphysicians, to, you know, Emerson, Thoreau, Whitman, Hawthorne, Poe, uh, Lovecraft. I mean, like drawn to their work and, and, and how every word I read seemed to expand my consciousness. I was searching for answers to what I was experiencing in my literal day-to-day -day life at the farmhouse. Um, and so, I mean, I don't know what I would have been otherwise or what I would have become or, you know, I wandered, I'll tell you something, Jim. Yeah. The first 40 years of my life plus, I wandered around this planet, just looking at everything going, what is this? Why am I here? Right. This feels weird. Um, feeling very much like a misfit on earth, like some cosmic record keeping or, you know, something got screwed up somewhere and I'm an accidental tourist on the planet. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until I found the courage, which only happened when I didn't care what other people thought anymore. Um, that's when that happened for me. And it was, I think it was 48 when it hit me. And I started writing the book that became three books because it's an extensive family memoir. Um, I'm sure you've probably had a couple of questions already. And I do want to give you a, a heads up about volume two and volume three. Um, from the moment we step on the farm as the owners in volume one till the moment that we leave, the stories are intermingled according to the type of haunting. I ask that the reader suspend the notion of linear time and suspend their disbelief and just watch these stories intermingle the way that they do according to the type of haunting that was occurring because there were so many different um, so many different aspects of it. Ten years. Um, yeah. And everybody knows that what they read, they'll see like a perfect Venn diagram of the timeline when they're done with volume three. I promise right. that you will. Yeah, volume three will also rip your heart out of your body and hand it back to you healed. And you will not know how that happened. I'm just forewarning. Forewarned is forearmed. Um, okay. But... I, I wanted people, I was guided by spirit um, when I was writing the books. Um, and I think that they wanted, as I wanted my readers to, it, it throws you back on your heels a bit. It pries your third eye wide open and it, and it forces the reader to have that same sense of timelessness that we had when we were living at the farm. So one story could be about Cindy at eight years old, but the very next story could be Cindy at 14. And what I ask of the reader and expect of the reader is more than I should, but I have very intellectual readers that are well-prepared for this text. And, you know, what I want them to do is pause and reflect. Why are these two stories together? And how many times did that happen to that poor child? And that's you know? exactly it. Happening to that poor child and that later informed and I believe it might be misquoting or misattributing the quote. 
I believe Cindy said, I'm an adult now. I don't have to be called, you know, you know, as a kid, I was called a liar or whatnot. I'm an adult now. I know this happened. Mm-hmm. I know things happen. And the nonlinear aspects of it, I, I, I enjoy. I enjoy and I enjoy the spirituality. I think you have a line in the, the first uh, volume about time and about the spirit world. It doesn't exactly manifest time the same way as we know it. No, to, to the spirit world, time is completely an illusion. And perhaps time is an illusion, a self-imposed machination right. that you know we assert um, so that we can measure our stay on earth. But uh, I mean, let's face it. It is, it's, uh, <laughs> it is a machination. I mean, we have to finagle with the calendar every four years to make it work right. You know, um, there's, you know, it's not, it's not a perfect system, but it's almost and yeah. it works and it gets us through, but where they are, I don't think that they have any semblance or sense of time. And we never knew in that house, Jim, we never knew if what we were going to see next was something stepping out of 1787 or 1865, or 1920, or, you know, 1950, we didn't know, you know, we didn't know. Um, That was the thing I asked Cindy uh, one time when I was, uh, and I interviewed every member of my family extensively, so that this, this trilogy of books, this story would be as authentic and organic as it could possibly be uh, from everyone else's recollections. And, um, and I asked her one time, I said, you know, do you think that, um, do you think that they loved us, that they had feelings for us? And she said, oh, absolutely. She said, and I think that they have to stay at the farm. That's at least most of them are kind of tethered to it. Um, because when, you know, Nancy, she and Nancy went back to the house for a visit in 1996, and both of them were put what she calls in the bubble. Yeah. And both of them, I'm giving you a story out of volume three, honey. I'm sorry, but this is important. You need Where to know this. Um, and um, they were both, their hair was touched. Their faces were touched by one of the benevolent wow. women in the house. And she said, they both heard it simultaneously. She said to them, oh my God, it's you, you're back. That's amazing. That, that is absolutely amazing. It, I, I grew up, my, my mother was a, a nurse for nursing homes for a long time. And sometimes when you, when you visit, my friends were all patients of hers. And it's like the isolation. They can't leave the nursing home. They can't do this. Yes. And when you come back, it's like, oh my God. You know, it's that, it's that human connection even past what we know as the human plane, yeah. right? Yeah, it, it just never leaves, which it gives a great balance to the. No, it's like a counterweight. It's like the miss point of the movie, the Conjuring movie. It's the miss yeah. point. It's the miss. Is a Hollywood realization yeah. of it. Now, when you're writing your book, I had a question. I think you started answering it already, but it's in third person, right? Yes. So I was wondering if that was a technique you used so you could give it more of a creative nonfiction, getting your your families really deep in there and or a way for you to take a step back yourself yes and allow some kind of like distance between it yes in fact i play three roles um i play the narrator um i play the observer and i play the participant 
but yeah. all from different perspectives um, in third person written because I was a child um, and I was a different person when I was a little kid than I am now. And predominantly because of my experiences at the farmhouse, which shaped me and fundamentally molded me into who I am now um, as the narrator so that I could speak to the experiences and not have it be so subjective. I mean, it's already emotional. Um, you know, I couldn't put myself in, in that place as a 12 or a 13 or a 14 year old. I had to, for my own um, cathartic well-being in telling the story, separate myself from it to the best of my ability. And um, I needed to be as objective of an observer as I could, um, not only in delineating and detailing the things that happened to me, but also to every single member of my family. Um, because it was, I can't, Jim, I cannot even tell you how many nights, two or three o'clock in the morning when the house was quiet and I was working on these books. And I would just be tears pouring down my face yeah. and pushing myself away from the desk saying, I can't do this. Whatever made me think that I could do this and something would push that chair back into the desk. And all I would hear is keep going. Oh, I, I'm so glad. Hey. The spirits wanted their yeah. story told. Yeah. They did. Yeah. My mother, my wise woman, my wise soul of a mother said to me one time, this is not the kind of story that one should rightfully take to the grave. And that's when she was telling me how proud she was that I had endeavored to tell our story and as much detail and as authentically and, and as purely as possible to tell our story. And, you know, I thought, honestly, when I was writing it, I thought, oh my God, the comparative analysis on this is gonna be a nightmare because Cindy's gonna remember things differently than Nancy remembered right. things. And Christine's gonna remember things differently than mom remembered things. And oh my God, you know, what Pandora's box have I opened here? And yet, as I went along month after month and year after year, publishing the first book in uh, 2011 and the last one in 2014, um, right after the movie opened, volume three came out. And um, I thought, oh my God, this is gonna be like a cluster, you know what? And yeah. uh, I really thought that as I compared each story to each, that some details would be lost, some things would be mixed up. I had to change. I had made a mistake in one chapter, one story um, about the season of the year that the event occurred. I thought it happened in the fall. And my mother said, no, I'm sorry. I thought it happened in the spring. And my mother said it happened in the fall. And everybody agreed, concurred that that happened in the fall. And so I changed spring to fall. That was the only change I wow. had to make in the books. That's and amazing. everybody else, as they read through my rough draft, said, yep, you nailed it. Yep, you got it. There it is. That's exactly what happened. That's rare. That's rare 
because I, I can't even get three friends together and agree what we had for lunch today. I know. No one remembers You know today. what? Because you're an investigator, because you're steeped in this, you're seasoned in this, you know that when you have an experience, and we had such a uh, an enormous, I mean, it was like swirling, it was like staring into fire and watching the embers float up and the smoke swirling and dancing. And it was like living in in another universe sometimes at that house. And yet there would be things that would happen that would just impale your memory, like being branded with a, mm. a searing branding iron on your brain. It's like you remembered the temperature of the room. You remember what you were wearing. You remember what, you know, how, how it felt, what the light was like, how it looked, you know, the, the sensation of the cold tingling down your back or your shoulder or something brushing up against the side of your face. Remember every single detail because it was a traumatic event. There you go. And so, you know, there's a line, if you haven't come across it yet, you're going to come across it. And it's one of my favorite lines in the trilogy. And it's, hmm, childhood trauma, the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Ain't that the truth though? Ain't that the absolute truth? And that's the thing that the traumas in our life, that's why we, when we have an accident, like a car accident, it looks like time slowing down time. It's a contract, but we have more recordings of that incident in our brain. Yeah. And so there's more advantages of it. And that's why you remember it because it's a trauma. Yeah. Like eventually when you're on earth, it's like, Oh, it's just a, almost a perfect copy. Laying yeah. there. Exactly. You nailed it. There yeah. it is. Thank you. See, take team effort. And that's when I'm reading your book. The first thing I notice is besides the third. Okay. So third person is this, it reminded me of James Joyce's Araby, not so much in, in the, the content, but Araby is written from the point of view, if, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't read Araby yet, in Dubliners, is from a point of view of an older man looking back at his childhood. Yes. Yes. And that's what like, oh, but you nailed it. I'm like, that's exactly, that's, that's Araby. I'm in my mind, I'm like, that's exactly it. Absolutely nailed the literary techniques right there. And so it, it's a strong book. I... How so? We're actually going to give uh, the volumes away on Kindle, by the way. So the oh, very, that's so great. Yeah, the very first people who, uh, let's say, four people. I like the number four. Very first four people who DM us on Twitter at Hunter Montreal MTL. We're absolutely giving away all three volumes times four on Kindle. No problems. It is it's well worth the read. And what you do in those books appears in Bathsheba Part One and Two. Yeah which is always an amazing thing. And I really love, uh, you know, Roger's giving this quote, who looks like Dick Van Dyke, by the way. Yes, he does, actually. Uh, he uncanny. Does. I thought, like, the teeny Dick Van Dyke. I thought it was reenacted. I didn't even know. I'm like, no, it's a real person. Like, oh, my gosh, looks just like him. Just, just like him. And it was like, it was like the Conjuring was, like, 95, excuse me, 5% uh, correct and 95% wrong. Right. And I believe you're... Mirroring that as well. Bathsheba, I have done, I don't know how many um, documentaries, right. uh, specials, TV specials, uh, and I've contributed to so many different projects. And Bathsheba is literally the only one that I, I think um, completely captures the essence right. of our story. 
and gives us free reign to speak honestly and openly. It is genuine, it's a genuine reflection of our family, of the complexities um, and, and what is convoluted about the story. It, it seeks to, to delve deeply into it. You know, my mom said one time that we spent more than 30 years trying to bury our dead from the farm. And then when it came time to exhume them and tell this story, it's amazing how close to the surface they were buried. And I think that people who watch this brilliant documentary that I'm so happy to endorse as well as every member of my family. Um, I'm proud, I'm proud to be a part of it. Um, I, I think that they'll get a, a, a true understanding, you know, at least to, to the extent that we were able in two hours, a true understanding. I firmly believe that the truth is stranger than fiction. I think people are ready for the truth. I give people credit for their intelligence. And I think that it's unfair to embellish and to exaggerate and to, although there were elements of, of The Conjuring that were toned down so far, they were unrecognizable to our story because they were afraid to tell the truth. You know, Hollywood executives are fear-based carbon units too. Yeah. And when uh, they heard from James Wan about the things that really happened in the house, they're like, uh-uh, no. The screenwriters read the books and they tried to uh, integrate some of the uh, essential elements, different aspects of the story. Right. And um, they were the screenplay got sent back seven times, one for wow. every member of our family, and said, take it out, redact it. This will scare people right out of the theater, and we won't get a PG rating. Take it out. Well, they didn't get a PG rating anyway, yeah. because the ends, uh, the, uh, the rating, whoever, I can't remember their, their call letters, but the MPA, um, yeah. Yeah, them. Um, uh, James Wan's, I was with him um, when the rating came down as an R and his head blew off, uh, off his little tiny body. He's like the size of a 14 year old. And um, I practically crushed him when I hugged him, bless his heart. And uh, he's like, why? I want to know why. Call them back now. I want to know why. And about 10 minutes later, he got handed a little piece of paper that said, and I saw the paper and it said, because it's just too scary. Wow. And I was like, oh God, if they really told the story, right? <laughs> they don't have a rating for that. Like that's, that's exactly it. Like all that painstaking editing. And this is what's so beautiful about TNA. They will give you the time and the platform to yeah. honestly tell it without anyone going oh we can't do that yep like it, it, it's yeah brilliant and, and, and it is and i see every one of your family who's in it telling the truth telling their truth a hundred percent a hundred percent yeah you can look in our eyes and see yeah. that none of this is made up we lived this you don't no. have to believe yeah. it you don't if i hadn't lived it i don't know if i'd believe it but it's true. And the truth will set you free. Yes, and speaking your truth will set you free. And if the trilogy serves any purpose, and if Bathsheba serves any greater societal purpose, 
and I know that it will and that it does and it will strike that chord and touch people's hearts and souls and minds and open their third eye. I know that it will. It's right. that powerful a piece. It's a wonderful documentary, you know, but if my books and this particular piece serves any purpose, if, if it just enlightens the world and liberates people to tell their own stories just hands them to the key to their own cage so that they can unlock it and come out into the world and share their experiences, whether it be with ghosts or spirits or elementals or extraterrestrials or right. whatever. You know, I know what I know. I don't expect anybody else to know what I know. They haven't lived my life. They haven't gone through these experiences the way that I have and my family has. So, you know, if they want to be skeptical about it, that's great. That's fine. You go ahead. But, you know, I also know that there are millions of people in this world that have legitimately been touched by spirit. I know from looking into your eyes that you are one of them. And mm -hmm. the three most powerful words that I can say to you or anyone else other than I love you is I believe you. Yes. And, and that's exactly it. And that's what comes across hugely in both the books and Bathsheba, because as kids, the answer was, I don't. Right. And I don't believe, and that causes damage. And I, and I love how it we can take this aspect of the spirituality of it and being believed here, but also just being believed in a whole slew of things that children are just kind of like shoved off, like, oh, that didn't really happen to you. And like abuse, like that didn't happen to you. Well, yeah, it did. And sometimes, and I hope that people are watching Bathsheba on T&E channel Monday, October 11th at 9 p.m. Eastern Pacific and who read. And I, I encourage, it's a, for me, I read as a feminist novel, by the way. I, I read your, uh, yeah, The House of Darkness, House of Light. 100% empowerment. Yes. Get that empowerment. Say, I don't care if this person doesn't believe me. Some, I believe me and someone out there will. And keep yeah. knocking down those doors until they do. Yeah, exactly. Now, what's um, really fascinating about all of this is that this documentary, I was teasing the women that I was working with at the production company. I said, you should rename this company Global Pandemic Productions because <laughs> look what we have gotten done from Zoom screens and over the phone for the all these many months when we're still in quarantine. But, um, you know, it, it really is... Bathsheba, I believe, is a, a source of enlightenment. Yeah. Um, it is the truth rising to the surface, uh, to the white hot spotlight of of scrutiny that it can it that it can handle. It can handle the scrutiny. It is probably the most well documented haunting in, if not American history, in human history. No, it's uh, stories have been written about this house since, oh, gosh since the 70s, since Ed and Lorraine Warren started putting out articles, even though they had a non-disclosure agreement with my mother, they kind of went by the wayside, Oops. you know, back in the day when verbal agreements, you know, were supposed to mean yeah. something. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, let me get a little drink my throat. I've been oh, talking okay. for hours and hours. My throat oh yeah, no, no, take your time. And mm. again, this is gonna be Bathsheba two-part series. And it's on TNE starting Monday, October 11th, 9 p.m. Eastern Pacific as part of their Creep Week, which is, I love TNE channel. If you're in Canada, 
there's only T and E and like, oh, maybe sci-fi and like uh, the sports, the sporting channel with the curling. That's all the channels you ever need in Canada. <laughs> You're set for life after that. Soft the border, can't help you. Yeah, but I know. It's, I it's, hear you. It's brilliant. It it really is. Okay, if there's one thing, if as we're and I appreciate all this time you've given me so much. Thank you very much. And I'll come back to you anytime. The girls will give you my number, my private cell number, contact me, make and me I'll cry. join you again anytime. I, I appreciate that so, so much. And, and absolutely, and I, and I thank you for your, your generosity. What is the one thing, if you want, A, kind of what, what's next, but what do you want people to take away? So what's next and what do you want people to take away? Well, you know, The Conjuring did leave people with three overarching impressions that were all accurate, that good conquers evil, love conquers fear, and the Perrin family endured an extreme haunting that they all survived. Right. And I think that that's its, its greatest gift to humanity in spite of the, you know, the chills and the thrills. Um, it, it leaves you with these indelible impressions that you, know, you can get through anything if you love each other powerfully. Um, and we did, and we do. Um, but, you know, I, I think that ultimately, Jim, the, the thing that is most important right now, while we were, are in the midst of a global pandemic that is claiming countless lives, um, is to know that there is something beyond our mortal existence that our loved ones that we're losing to this horrific disease are, are not forever gone. They're just around the corner. They're still with us. They don't want us to, to grieve incessantly. The only true measure of love is the equivalent grief, the despair that, is, that we, we go through in the loss. That's the only true measure of love. But they don't want us to grieve. They want us to believe that they are still with us because they are. Um, that's the great gift of being touched by spirit. I don't believe for a moment that it's a curse, even when there are negative entities involved. Right. You know, to me, it's a blessing. To me, it's that rare and precious glimpse from the realm which we come and will inevitably return. So I tell people all the time, be not afraid. Don't, don't, don't shun this because of your fear of the unknown. It doesn't have to be unknown to you. Be the light you seek. Be the beacon of truth and hope and peace in the world. Connect with spirit. Feel the love of your loved one's past, of your ancestors. Just know that everything is energy and everything is consciousness. Everything is one yeah. thing. And I think that when we as a race, a human race, evolve to the point where we understand the realization of oneness, where we understand that we're seeing our old reality with new eyes, when we get there, then we will have made our spiritual ascension beyond the fourth dimension, into the fifth dimension and beyond there. And I hope I live long enough to see it. I need to be a part of it while I'm here. And so what I put out into the world is the dispelling, not the propagating of fear. 
Right. And that love is the answer to every single question. Wow, that, that's, that's amazing. And, and, and I well said, and I, I think that does sum up everything because it's at the end, the books, the, the House of Darkness and House of Light and Bathsheba, the part one and two, which is on TNE channel Monday, October 11th at 9 p.m. Eastern Pacific. And as you said, even the, even the conjuring about this, the, the jump scare parts, it's yeah. still about love. It's still about a family it's still about love has to persist and overcome. And yes. they do so through love. A hundred percent. And that's, that, that's beautiful. I just, again, Andrew, I just want to thank you so much for your time and uh, wow. I can't wait to release this one. Thank you again so much. My it's pleasure, fun. dear. Anytime I'll join you anytime. I appreciate that. And I'm going to take you up on the offer. Once this pandemic's done, we're going to go yep. somewhere. We're going to relax. We're going to stretch out and talk all day long. I love it. Sounds Absolutely great. Love it. Thank you again for everything. You're welcome. And see you guys soon, hopefully.